Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to the Bible Thumper podcast. Today is Sunday, March 7th, and I'm here with Caleb Jenks, and we are going to talk about evil, pain, and suffering. Kind of going to talk about why God allows it, why is it here on earth, and a lot of Christians are going to get that question. At some point from some person who is either a new Christian who is unfamiliar with the Bible, or you might get that question from a scoffer or skeptic or a non-believer of some kind. And that's going to be something that's going to kind of get in their way as far as, you know, why should I believe the Bible? Why should I obey and worship God? Uh, God allows all this pain and suffering. And I really don't see a reason for that. And I have a problem with that. And that's what's keeping me from believing the Bible and receiving Jesus as my savior. So we're going to talk about it tonight. Please forgive me. I don't know if I told everyone this. I started going back to school. So I am going to school to get my EMT basic, and I'm going to try to get on with a fire department out here in Western Colorado. And because of that, I have been working my normal job and then going to school at night. And this weekend I worked somewhere between seven and nine hours, both Saturday and Sunday. So once in a while, I'm going to get home a minute late and I'm going to have trouble getting on here on on time. It's kind of like when Caleb would just wholly forget that he was supposed to be doing a podcast whatsoever and he would remember three days later and I would do the whole thing by myself. I don't know if anyone remembers our first year of doing the podcast when that would happen, you know, on average about once a month. It's kind of going to be like that except I already gave Caleb my schedule and let him know when I'm going to be a few minutes late. But tonight was one of those nights where we just started a a bit behind. With that, Caleb, I think you brought up this subject as one that you wanted to get into because I think you had some questions from people come up and and I believe you taught on this subject. uh, You taught on this subject in the past. So where do you want to start? What do you think the best place to take off from is? Well, I should start by defending myself for the fact that it was every five weeks, not every four weeks last year. <laughs> so, not well going to let you get by with not going to let you get by without getting the facts straight. Oh uh, no, I was. It felt good to have Patrick call today and be like, "Hey, I'm actually on a service call tonight," and I was like, "Oh, my chance to rub it in." I was like, "Oh no, I got to yeah. wait. I got to wait a few times before I start rubbing it in." <laughs> No, it's uh, it's good to be on here. So, um, I don't know where to where to where to start, where to go with it. It's t- a topic that I think is worth discussing, though, because it's a question that I've I've heard people ask of God and about God, and oftentimes the answer that they have come up with has been disappointment, disillusionment with Christianity, with religion in general, saying that God allowed this horrible thing to happen or that horrible thing to happen. He didn't intervene and stop it. And so therefore God must not be as good of a God as I thought he was. And yeah, go ahead. So let me ask you a question. Are you saying that the majority of people that you run into that have an issue with this, that issue comes from a single experience? Yeah, oftentimes I've heard of people that said, you know, I lost, we, we lost our child and, and, or my a loved one that was sick. And so I'm angry at God because he didn't, you know, he, he, he allowed them to, to experience pain or suffering, or they 
were around somebody that was uh, the victim of some evil. And, you know, if God is good, why does he allow evil? And so those are, um, I think those are big questions. Those are, are realistic questions and they're very emotionally. Yeah, yeah. Very emotionally charged questions. If it's, you know, people that people that are close to you, loved ones, and you pray specific prayers and you don't understand why it is that God didn't answer those specific prayers or why God didn't protect them from dealing with pain and suffering if God is good. And mm-hmm. so um, I think it's I think it's definitely worth looking into the Bible and seeing, you know, what does the Bible have to say about this? Is this coming from a biblical worldview or is this coming from a flawed viewpoint on on who God is and, and what God allows? And so um, I would say... Uh, we can all agree that evil definitely exists. We can see um, we can see it's undeniable. <laughs> you, you don't have to you don't have to look too far to find evil in the world around us. How about the first page of any major newspaper? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you read the news, it's all bad news. Um, it's it's undeniable that it, that it exists. You you uh, you see it not just in faraway lands. You see it, you know, across across this nation you see it across your hometown you'll see, you'll find news of of murder and, and terrible things uh, evil is extremely undeniable you flip through the uh channels on your tv and you're going to be inundated with evil uh, being portrayed on tv shows and movies and so i guess that, that's the question is if god is sovereign powerful uh loving if he's good how could he allow evil pain and suffering? Why can't he just put a stop to this? Okay. And I think part of the question and part of the problem that people have, the question that they bring up and the problem they have is they are acknowledging that God is all powerful. So he's capable. If he wanted to stop it, it would be stopped. Correct. That's the assumption that everyone is going on is God doesn't have to let any of this happen. And that's true. All of those things that we're talking about are true. Now, can I try answering this question? Because yeah, absolutely. As you bring it up, one of my thoughts is why would God allow all this bad stuff? He doesn't in heaven. Right? He does not in heaven. But right now, what you got to understand is that we're not in heaven. This earth is not controlled by God. This dominion, this earth currently, now Jesus is coming back. He is going to redeem the title deed to earth. But right now, the devil is the prince of the power of the air. The devil is the one that is really running the show. And I think it's easy to see that God gave us direction and rules. We broke them all. And now the consequences are we have a messed up earth. Caleb, have you ever bought a brand new car? I know you're into cars and I know you're into buying cars and fixing them up and then uh, selling them and, you know, once in a while making a profit. But I know you enjoy that. Have you ever bought a brand new car off the lot? Never have, no. Okay, if you bought a brand new car off the lot and you took it out 
and then you wrapped it around a telephone pole because you got drunk and were acting like a fool. And then you brought it back and said, hey, this car's all messed up. You guys need to make this right. Okay, what would they say to you? What would their reaction be at the right. car yeah, dealership? Yeah, they'd be like, what, what was wrong with it when you first drove it off the lot? Exactly. Okay, and that's what God gave us. God gave us a, a perfect, beautiful creation that was just fine, and then we messed it up six ways to Sunday, as they say. You know, and now we're coming back and we're blaming God for the bad stuff. And what's funny is most people never give God glory for any of the good stuff. Okay. They just like to to blame God for the bad stuff and and wonder, well, if God's real, why didn't he do this? And and I think it's it's very short-sighted because we are not willing to see that God has a plan. Okay, we are not willing to acknowledge what has happened in history so far, as far as the fall of man, the only thing we are, you know, really wanting to use God for is just as the whipping post. We want to be able to blame someone when things don't go right. Tell me your thoughts. Well, I always get excited when I hear people bring this up because to me, this is it's, it's really an affront to who God is. It's, mm-hmm. it's questioning, is God really good? But it's a, it's a really good conversation. Um, it's a really good conversation starter because immediately they're acknowledging that there is good and evil. Mm-hmm. They're immediately saying there is good and evil. And to me, the problem of evil is it's a problem only if you don't really understand evil properly if you don't understand god properly it's actually to me it's really good evidence to argue for a creator it's good evidence to argue that god is good is the fact that we actually see the difference between good and evil and if we don't see evil it's hard to see good so unfortunately there are there are casualties with evil there are sometimes those casualties are our loved ones or people we care about it's comical to, to watch somebody talk through something like this, because if you emotionally detach yourself from the issue, it's it's not that big of a problem. But when you're wrapped up in, in the emotions of it, that's usually what gets people. So somebody might might say, you know, my wife and I, we, we were expecting we had a miscarriage. Sure. And, and so God allowed our baby to die before it was mm-hmm. born. That was just an innocent victim. Nothing, nothing that it did wrong. There's no, there, this would be a situation where you couldn't possibly say that this baby has somehow done something wrong, that it, sure. it deserved death. Obviously. So it's obviously an innocent victim, but the value that's there is the fact that the, that baby would have been an amazing gift from God. Mm-hmm. And so that is, that's why, that's why it's sad. And, and I've used the comparison before to say, if, if somebody comes and steals your pickup truck, it's not. It's not the absence, the, 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 the damage that they do to you is not because maybe you don't even look out the window and see them stealing the pickup. Mm-hmm. If you watched out the window, maybe you could have some, some small amount of emotional uh, damage from seeing them drive away with your pickup, but it's the pickup that's gone. That's missing. It, the pickup was the good thing. When somebody gets raped, um, when I gave this message, message at church uh, about a year ago and, and I put up a page where people could post their their ideas of some good things or some evil things. And, and some of the most evil things that people thought of was, you know, rape where somebody's mm-hmm. innocence gets stolen from them. Well, God is the one that designed and created sex. But when you take it outside of the confines of what God designed it for, it becomes a negative thing because 
because the good thing, the good gets robbed from it. Um, the same thing if you if you look at at murder. Murder is a terrible evil. Sure. Um, but if there wasn't a life in the in the first place, then that hmm. that you know that murder wouldn't be such a big deal. Without so when a you good start looking thing at, present, there there's there you, there's no way to judge evil. There has there to you be have something it. enjoyable. And if you and go lovely. down the if you go down the list of the most evil things that you can think of, they're all a corruption of something that was good and sacred that God created. And mm-hmm. so then, then the question is, well, then why would God allow this to happen? Mm-hmm. And, and one of the interesting things where, uh, where you look at a lot of, a lot of evils that are out there. So for instance, murder, somebody mm-hmm. forcefully taking a life. If you look at uh, say human trafficking, where somebody abducts children and, mm-hmm forces them against their will to go and do things that they don't want to do. Then we look at God and we say, wait, why doesn't God force us against our will Mm -hmm. to do good? Why Mm -hmm. does he allow us, you know, if God forced us, yeah. Why does he allow us the freedom to do evil things? So we almost, we almost want to turn God into this evil monster where he forces us, abducts us, puts us in a cage and, and forces us to do good. We're good robots. Well, then right? there would be no such thing as love at that point. There sure. would be no such thing as good and evil. Yep. And so the question, then the question becomes, would God be a good God if he didn't allow us to have free will? And to me, free will is one of the most beautiful things that we have. It's the, mm-hmm. it's the whole reason that my wife and I can make a choice to, to choose to embrace each other and love each other mm-hmm. and express, you know, if, if I put my wife in a cage you know, what, what do I expect her to say at that point? I love you. I mean, how do, how do I know, you know, it's, it's by her choosing to be in a relationship with me and me choosing to be in a relationship Mm -hmm. with her that we express our love one for another. So that's the same way with, yeah, go ahead. Well, it sounds like, um, one thing we can draw from that is that if God did not give us free will, there would be no way for him to prove his love to us because God, giving his son for a world of wicked sinners that are ungrateful, unappreciative, unlovable, that shows the level of God's love for us is that he gave his only son for a group that really in no way deserved it. And if God made us into a bunch of sweet, kind, lovable, selfless robots. First of all, nobody wants that. Nobody wants to turn in their free will to eradicate pain and suffering and evil in the world. The closest we're going to get to that is when we get to heaven. But still, that's going to be completely different than the idea that God made a bunch of robots. Because the fact is, You know, God doesn't want robots to tell him that they love him. God wants us to want to love him. And that's why he made us the way we are. And, you know, Caleb, let me ask you this, okay? What is the purpose of sin? Normally self-pleasure. Okay. Why did God allow sin at all? What's the purpose of God allowing sin in the world? Now, keep in mind, folks, Caleb and I don't rehearse these, right? You know, th- so well, I'm, when I'm, I'm asking to, him I'm a question, 
Caleb's trying to figure out where I'm trying to lead him. Yeah. Okay. So he can sound so intelligent. Th- I would, we all I know would that's say- not going to happen. <laughs> I'd say there's a couple of a couple of ways that you could go with that. So obviously, what do you think? It, it point it, um, he would he could have allowed us to to sin such that it it uh, proves our need for God, a need for Boom. salvation. First try, right? That's or it. or the second one would have been you know just because he wanted to give us the gift of a free will. Okay, so think of this, Caleb. What's the purpose of the law? Going back to Romans and Hebrews. Or going back to the Old Testament law, where right. there are literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rules. Don't do this. It was a schoolmaster to point us to Christ, obviously. To bring us to Christ. So the whole purpose of any of the rules was to show us our horrible failure and our right. need for Christ. And every time we run into sinners and sin, that's something that it reminds us of is that this world needs a savior. Okay. That's the best this world's ever going to be is a whole bunch of sinners. Okay. Now I'm of the cleaned up Sunday variety sinner who, you know, tries to put his best foot forward, but I'm still no better than I was before I got saved. I was a sinner then I'm a sinner today. I'm going to be a sinner the day that I die and the Lord brings me home. The whole reason for sin is to show us how bad we are in our need for a savior. And the idea that we have free will is to show us that every chance we get to choose sin and selflessness over God and selflessness, we are going to choose ourselves. That's human nature. And sometimes we get a little better at that. Okay. But at the end of the day, that's still the best we're ever going to be. Yeah. I, I, t- I tell people I'm a sinless Christian. I sin less than I used to. That's good. <laughs> I sin less I like and less that. all the time. <laughs> but I still sin. Absolutely. Right, so there's ahead, a uh, so back to the question of, uh, of of why. So there was a Greek philosopher oh boy. that that put this put it into words, and I th- I think that his words were were he worded it pretty well as far as kind of the the mental situation that a lot of people get into so epicurus said is god willing to prevent evil but not able then he is not omnipotent is he able but not willing then he is malevolent is he both able and willing then whence cometh evil is he neither able nor willing then why call him god so in other Hmm. words is god willing to prevent evil so maybe he's good and he would be willing to but he's not capable of doing it then he's not omnipotent is he able but he's not willing then he's not then he is malevolent so in other words he's not powerful or he's not good one or the other is he both able and willing then why is there evil and then is he neither able nor willing then why call him god so this is his this is his philosophy on the on the question so the question then, obviously, to go through this and answer, and and this is this is a flawed premise. Clearly, is a flawed premise, but mm-hmm. it's uh, it is a good question nonetheless. So, and and one that I've heard Christians that do believe in God and have spent time in church and have had something bad happen to them, and I've heard them ask this same basic question, maybe not worded quite as as profound mm-hmm. as he did. So the the question is: God unable to prevent evil and suffering? And the answer is. No, God is not unable. He he clearly is capable of it, and he has seen the problems of evil and suffering. And he, if you look back at the flood, if you look at mm-hmm. Sodom and Gomorrah, there's been times where he wiped it out. However, as we know, 
the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so sin entered the world and and there there gets to be a point where the only way to prevent evil with a fallen world is to wipe it clean and start over. And unfortunately that is that is where we're at. So um, if God is good, wouldn't he create a world without evil and suffering? And is, doesn't it seem that we should all just be happy and comfortable always? And God did create that. And if you look back in the first part of Genesis, his creation was good. It says that everything that he created, that God saw that it was good. And so this means that absolutely everything was in harmony. There wasn't evil. There wasn't pain. There wasn't suffering. As God created each thing, he looked at it and it says that he saw that it was good. So obviously something went, went wrong. And I believe that God knew this was going to happen when he, when he created mankind, this didn't catch him by surprise. So obviously, if you go back to Genesis, God said that it was good. And we believe, if we are asking these questions, obviously we believe in good and evil. We're, we're acknowledging that there is such a thing as good and evil. And God is the standard by which we judge good and evil. We can get into that more. But if God said that everything was good, I trust that everything was good. And then we see the fall of man. Mm-hmm. There has to be, I believe that sometimes you have to work through some of these things logically with somebody that's going through these questions and if god is moral and good then i believe that there are that there's morally sufficient reasons why god would allow evil in the world and we already brought up the one where it points us to christ but there has to be there has to be a reason why god is good enough to allow us to see how bad we are without him so we talked about the puppet thing here. I had a I had a couple of notes on that, but basically, I think any one of us, if we look at most of the things that we enjoy in life, that are our pleasures in life, the most sacred things that we have, our freedom. Here in America, that's a big deal. We love our freedom. We love to be able to make our choices and not have anybody tell us what to do. We love the ability to have things to possess things having private property rights is a big deal here we understand the value when that gets violated somebody steals your private property then that is you know we would consider that evil Um, god's given us a lot of good gifts whether it's you know marriage uh, relationships whether it's children whether it's you know the freedom of choosing your occupation what what you do all of a sudden you get forced into slavery and that's that's an evil thing. All of a sudden, you get forced to be good against your will, and that becomes evil, in my opinion. If if you if I heard that somebody goes around and kidnaps people, or like the Catholic Church did back in the day when they went on crusades and they and they force you to convert to Christianity or they shoot you, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, this process of making people good becomes evil in itself. You had a point to make. Yeah, yeah, and you use the word slavery, and I think people need to understand this and define this, okay? So the question comes down to, what is it called when a group of people are forced to act against their will with no ability to act in accordance to their own will? What do we call that? Right. Slavery. That's slavery. Yeah, exactly. That is what people are arguing for. And that's, and that's what we're for. proposing. Yes, yeah, exactly. We're proposing that God, that God do that to the world. To every, yeah. Now, keep in mind, okay, and Caleb, it, I'm going to get off on a rabbit trail here, so just yeah, stop me ahead. anytime and we can bring it back. People don't understand 
that when they're wondering why God doesn't do that, it would affect them too. Right. Right. Because really all we're thinking is, no, 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 no. I just want God to stop evil in the form of mother nature when uh, a plane crashes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Natural disasters happen. And I don't want God to stop the evil in my life. (laughs) Okay. That's, you know, that's not serious enough. That's not a problem. I enjoy that. I don't want God to force me to act a certain way. I just want God to force bad people to act a certain way. Well, that's great. You, you've just joined the ranks of every despot and tyrannical dictator throughout history. You're picking only a segment of society and saying we have to force them to act a certain way. But little old me, no, there's no problem there. Well, it is it is very interesting to me that throughout history, since the beginning of creation, since the fall of man, God has on a few occasions taken moral justice here on earth in his own hands. He's opened up the earth and made it swallow people. He's brought down fire to burn up cities. He, he flooded the earth. There's been a few examples of that, but by and large, he's handed over the justice system to, to mankind. Yep. And even when there was, even in the Old Testament during Moses's time, God, God handed that over to Moses. They didn't have kings; it was prophets, and it was it, there was there was a time where it was really God was God was kind of in charge of the justice system. God was in charge of the political system with His people, and yet during that time, He still allowed evil to happen, and He handed it over to mankind to execute justice. So to me, this is evidence of the fact that God, I don't like the idea of, of kind of the clock spring th- theory where God just created the world. He wound it up like a clock and he just released it and he hasn't touched it since. We can see that God still has his hand in, mm-hmm. in humanity. He still, he still does affect us. He's done supernatural things throughout time. Um, he's sent, he sent messengers. He sent Moses. He sent different people to come in and help but yet he usually pretty much stays out of meddling in our in our affairs. He pretty much, except for a few exceptions, he pretty much allows us to have free will even when that becomes evil. And I think that, that God would be exactly the evil monster that you think of when you think of somebody who is a slave owner or when you think of somebody who's a human trafficker or somebody that's a thief and they come and take the good things that you worked for and you you own all of those good things that we that we like that we feel somehow that we were uh, that god cheated us out of those good things god has allowed us to have those things because of our freedom because of our freedom to have uh, private property for instance so i think that god is i think that he's extremely morally justified in not forcing us to not have any kind of evil actions in us. I I believe that that's justified, but I want to move on to the next topic, which you brought up, which is like natural disasters, suffering that doesn't necessarily, isn't necessarily directly tied to evil. So obviously we see, we see people that suffer in, in, uh, Oh, what, what, I can't remember what it was. Haiti. There was a, uh, a big tsunami or, uh, 
hurricane, whatever it was, something that happened in Haiti 10 or 15 years ago. And I don't remember the death toll, but it was huge. Mm-hmm. And I remember that being very remarkable. I mean, I was probably 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And I remember us playing at a benefit concert and they kind of gave a presentation uh, in between each band that played there. They gave a presentation uh, of some of the devastation in Haiti. And I remember just thinking, man, this is horrendous. It's really crazy that, that these people were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. And they just lost their lives, lost their, lost their houses, lost their whole, you know, villages that were just wiped out. Oh, yeah. And it, it was very re- remarkable to me. And, and since then, I've been on some disaster cleanups where tornadoes have hit or flooding, things like that. And you can definitely see the effects of people that are suffering here and on Earth. And, and we, we see that and we're like, God put some of these things into motion. If you build your house right on the edge of the sea, for instance, there's a good chance that the wave comes up and it washes your house away. So this is kind of mm-hmm. a cause and effect thing that God created. Mm-hmm. And you take that risk. It's sort of like walking to the edge of the cliff and jumping off and seeing mm-hmm. how it works out for you. It doesn't it's always kind of, work out so great. It's kind of like <laughs> building a single wide trailer in the flatlands of the Great Plains of this here United States. Okay, <laughs> right. Someday a tornado is coming for you. I mean, it's just going to happen, you know. Well, I've got a double wide, so I. So, oh, so, so you I just got to be. I got to be in the right side. Yeah, right. You, you're just fine. <laughs> yep. So, to me, to me, sometimes God gets blamed for choices that we make. So, if you build sure. your house on the edge of the sea, there's there are warnings in the Bible about building. You mean your house like on, on sand. sinking sand? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, so some of those cause and effect things that are that are that are placed there by God, if you apply some wisdom which He's given to us, maybe maybe that wouldn't always happen. So oftentimes, okay. I find people blaming God for things that they could have avoided. All right, go ahead. You remember Hurricane Katrina, right? Uh huh. And you remember Louisiana and New Orleans, right? And all the flooding. And it was so terrible. And you know how many times I heard about God being blamed for that? Right. Caleb, do you know why the land was cheap down there? Do you want to <laughs> yeah, guess? It was all below sea level. It was below <laughs> sea level, which means God intended for it to be underwater. Right. If you can't figure that out when you buy the land, I mean, can we really blame God? Can we exactly. really blame God for all of these? It's not even logical. You know, right. people just don't know what to do. And when they have a great loss, they suffer a loss. People naturally want to blame something. It makes them feel better. And and unfortunately, with natural disasters, what do insurance companies call damages from natural disasters? Uh, caused by God or something like that. Yeah, or what's, it's called what is an the... act of God. Act so of when God, a tree right. falls over and lands on your car, the point is what they're saying is it 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 is a no fault accident. Right. You weren't driving the car; it's not your fault. Someone else wasn't driving a car into your car; it's not their far fault. The car was just parked there, and the tree fell over, and it happened to hit that car, and therefore it is an act of God. Right. There are things a lot of a lot of the natural disasters that I see. There's going to be sometimes where somebody builds their house in a great place, it's on a strong foundation, they did everything right, and still a tornado comes along, or something happens, or there's an earthquake, or whatever. So not all, all natural. I'm not saying all natural disasters 
are the cause is foolishness, but oftentimes mm-hmm. choices that we make put us in the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And a little wisdom and even a biblical worldview on, on how we make those choices could have maybe have prevented it. But let's go with um, going with the natural disasters, a lot of weather related stuff. And of course, none of us were there back then, so we don't know. But we can clearly see that when God first created the earth, there was much difference between what the weather that we have now and the weather that they had then people were living to be a thousand years old before the flood. There was, I, I don't think there was much as much ultraviolet light coming through the, the atmosphere. There was probably, it was, it was really a different world that God initially created. And so not only at the fall of man, but then also at the flood, things got changed, things eroded, things are different. And it wouldn't surprise me if some, some of the weather related issues that we have now, severe weather have to do with, again, sin in entering into the world and causing things to change. Um, another another example of, of people saying that somebody was the innocent victim of, of something like, why could God allow my niece to die in a car wreck? Patrick brought mm-hmm. this up a minute ago. Uh, my, my innocent niece, she was four years old and she died in a car wreck or she got hit by a train. She did nothing wrong. Okay. Well, I'm not saying, I'm not here to argue against using vehicles. We all drive vehicles, but we, we know that if you put yourself in several tons of scrap iron and you launch yourselves down the road at 70 miles an hour, yeah. that it doesn't take much to go wrong and people you're the casualty. Die. You got yeah, it. People die from car. Statistically, your chances of dying when you get in a car are a lot greater than before we had automobiles. And yeah. so did God create this problem or did he give us a free will and the, the, the ability to create this problem ourselves? And sure enough, yeah. we did. We created the problem, but then we blame God when somebody gets in a car wreck and they die. Sure. And maybe it's not their fault and God allowed that to happen. But do we, do we want a God that says, all right, no more cars? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so do you know the first two rules of EMS, emergency medical services? No. What is that? Okay. Rule number one, patients die. Okay, rule number two, you cannot change rule number one. Right. And it's just a reminder that, look, people die. That is what happens. Okay, we are here, but for a moment, right? And that's it. Life is fragile and, you know, bad things happen. And it is sad. And neither Caleb nor I are arguing that these situations aren't a tragedy. But the fact is, since from the day that we were born, we were going to die. A clock was ticking down. And it's hard for us when good people die. And it's hard for us when kind, loving people die. And it's hard for us when children die. Because all of us would agree nothing bad should happen to children. Children should not get sick. They should not get hurt. There is no one on earth that Jesus loved more than children. It's so apparent in the Bible, but the fact is they are still in this world as well. And unfortunately, bad things are going to happen to some of them. And like Caleb was saying, that was never God's intent. Keep in mind, God's intent in the Garden of Eden was that nobody ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we all stayed there. That wasn't going to happen because God had to give us free will. We choose to sin. Okay, we bring bad things upon ourselves oftentimes. And then there's also people who sin and they bring bad things upon others. And it's terribly tragic when a drunk runs into a car full of good, kind people 
and kills some of them along with their children. That's terrible because we go to, well, these people were great and they never did anything wrong and there were children there. Granted, and it wasn't them that caused the accident, nor was it their sin. Unfortunately, in this case, it was the sin of the drunk person. And sin affects people and sin kills. And, and if we want to hate something, if we want to blame something, if we want to be against something, we should hate and we should blame sin because sin is the problem with this world. It's not God. God is the savior of this world. Every good and precious gift that comes down from above comes from the father of lights. Okay. That's from Caleb's favorite book in the book of James. Every good thing comes from God. Every bad thing we have ever seen came from sin. You brought up this idea of children being brought into it. And I see you you posted a link here. I've not watched this, but obviously Patrick is, I'm guessing, alluding to the fact that that God God has set up a system where um, a child dies, and of course it's a tragedy, mm-hmm. but that's not the end for that child. And mm-hmm. it's almost there are some children that I, I wonder if God if God allows them to to pass on from this life to the next, almost out of mercy for them. Because, you know, you see people that are, or you hear stories of children that were uh, abducted as an early child and they've lived in slavery and they die. And it's like, they finally get to live for the first time. You know, yeah. all their, their life here was only suffering, but yet God gives them a chance at eternity. And really this, this time here on earth is, is really just a blink. It's, it's so brief. Eternity is, is vast and, and God is, a just God, and he is going to bring bring justice uh, for those children. And, and part of the way he does bring justice is allowing us to start over, you know, with a, with a clean slate. And and um, it's pretty clear in scripture, and you, you could probably say, say some on this as well, but uh, when it involves children, that God is, you know, Jesus is the one that said, let the, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of heaven. And, and so mm-hmm. God, it's pretty obvious from scripture that, that God is, uh, God has a, a soft place in his heart for children mm. and and they go straight they do they go straight to his to his arms the video link that i posted there it's only a 10 minute video i i did a very short series where i was going through and and answering bible questions in 10 minutes or less and this is one of those videos so it's very brief but there are three specific instances in the bible where we see this question answered and it is answered very very clearly Uh, And what Caleb said is correct. When a child dies, they go directly to heaven, period. Anyone that argues that does not know their Bible. And it is so far outside of the character of God to suggest otherwise. It's ridiculous. Okay, there is no group on earth that Jesus loved more than the children. When children showed up, you knew it immediately in the Bible because Jesus was smiling and he stopped what he was doing and he ignored everybody so he could pay attention to the children. That is 100% of the time that children showed up in front of Jesus. If someone is going through a difficult time, uh, it is important that we understand what the Bible says, and, and hopefully we can bring them some comfort with that. The idea that they're they're not in a better place, they're in the best place right now. Yeah, so I think that God allows suffering to draw us to him. And mm-hmm. I don't know if we would know the difference between good and evil 
that he allowed us to be exposed to in the in the Garden of Eden when the when the fall happened. One question that that I've heard before with people is, you know, why did God allow that to happen? And and I believe that God intentionally allowed the fall of man in the garden. Really, evil had started before the fall. Satan mm-hmm. and the angels that had had split off from God in heaven and had started that rebellion are the ones that first introduced evil. We could have had an earth where God created everything good. And he said, Satan, you can't get here. You know, I'm not going to allow you to go down there in the form of a snake and talk to the woman and, and tempt her. But I believe that when God created the earth, he knew that was going to happen. He knew Satan was going to meddle in our affairs. He knew that we were going to have a choice and that we could choose good or evil. And so as we see pain, as we see suffering, as we see evil, to me, these are, are times that we that we recognize the good that there is in the world, the good that's in our lives, and we and we recognize the evil. And it's it's a time that draws us to Christ rather than it, it shows us the fact that we need a savior. And so I, I do believe that this is this is part of God's plan. And I do think that he's justified in it. There's times as a father where my children, uh, where I see them doing things that I know are going to result in, you know, it's a, it's not a great idea. It's going to result in pain or suffering for them. And I, I don't stop them from it a hundred percent of the time. There are mm-hmm. times where it would be tragic. You know, I don't let them walk out in front of a car, but I may recommend to them that they, you know, that they be careful when they're, when they're, playing ball that they don't throw it too hard at their baby sister. I may mm-hmm. recommend that they, you know, not jump off of the the edge of the bed, but I don't necessarily, if I was really going to protect my children from ever getting a bump or bruise, they would have to walk around in little, bu- you know, little rubber bubbles wherever they go to make sure that they're protected. And, and even then they might be exposed to something. So pretty soon I would have my children locked up in little boxes to make sure they're not exposed. And then I've exposed them to the most evil that they could have been exposed to by trying to protect them because all of a sudden now I've I've robbed them of their freedom. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's really what we're trying to do with God here is say, if we're God's children and, 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 and he loves us, why couldn't he have kept us from evil? And so we're really, we're really proposing a malevolent evil God to me Mm -hmm. is, is, is really the argument that we're making. I believe that any, any, anybody that really examines that logically realizes that God would not have been good if he didn't give us, the freedom of a free will. And he did give us um, the option I, when he, whenever he put the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil there. Um, I, I believe that he knew that we were going to go and pick the fruit off of that tree. And he gave mm-hmm. us the choice. You know, you can't be mad at Adam and Eve because if they wouldn't have done it, they didn't last very long at all before they did it. I'm sure one of us would have done it. <laughs> okay. Now yeah, I, go I'm going to have to challenge that. Do you know how long Adam and Eve could have lived in the garden prior to eating the fruit and getting kicked out. The Bible explains it mathematically. It gives dates that sets an outside I've never time looked limit. into that. Yep. They could have been living in the Garden of Eden with God for up to 110 years. I see. It could have been on day number eight, or it could have been at 110 years. No later than that, no earlier than day eight. Just wanted to give you something huh. to chew on. So if anyone, if anyone wants a gold star, figure that out mathematically, write it down and email it to me. Okay. And I'll give you an attaboy. So, and if anyone really wants to know, I can bring it. Well, next it, week it, it does give, math. it does give you the, the chronological order as far as which of their sons were born before and after the fall, right? Or no. It so, doesn't. Nope. All of the sons were born after the fall. After the fall. Okay. You got it. 
But what it does is it gives you ages and dates for Adam and Eve, okay, when they had Seth, their third son. So they had Cain and Abel. And then after that, it says that Adam was 130 years old and he had Seth. So what you're doing is you're, tr you're starting at 100 years old, 130 years old, he had Seth. And then you're going backwards in time and counting backwards. You have the age of Cain, his gestation period in the womb, the age of Abel, his gestation period in the womb, and how old Adam and Eve could have been, had two kids, the kids grow up to an age that would have been appropriate for them to have their problem and Cain kill Abel, and then after that, have Seth. Anyway, you, you go through and you do the math and you find out that they could have lived in the Garden of Eden for 110 years, then had Cain, then the next year had Abel, and then they grow up, okay, Cain kills Abel, and then they have Seth at 130 years. So you can go through and do the math, and what you find is the outside limit within reason from what we understand about human physiology today is that they could have been 110 years old. Wow. Yeah. And pretty good looking, I'm guessing. I don't at 110. Know. They were, I mean, that's, well, that was, probably didn't that, look like, they didn't look like a 110 year old person. No, now. that was, no, that was a, roughly <laughs> they were 10 still a spring of their chicken. life. Oh yeah. 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 No, I'm sure they still, they were doing fine. They were, they were I, in I, their prime. I it doubt is, it's really hurt. bizarre to think about living back then and having grandchildren and then great grandchildren and great, great grandchildren at like 10 yeah. generations. Okay. Did I ever tell you, did I ever give you the math as far as. So many people never do this. And Caleb, the reason people are not impressed with the Bible is because of their lack of effort in studying the Bible. Right. They never get into any of this stuff. Does anyone ever get out and start charting things with a ruler and do the math on ages and make charts and graphs and figure stuff out? Unfortunately, almost nobody does. And right. that's the reason that, number one, people are grossly ignorant about the Bible because of their lack of effort. And then number two, the reason that they're not inspired by the Bible. So, Caleb, you had Shem, Ham, and Noah, right? Okay. Or let's just go with Noah and his son Shem. Okay. Do you know who was alive when Noah was alive? Abraham. Abraham was, a, yeah, a long time passed, but Noah <laughs> yeah. lived to be real old. You find out that Abraham was alive. Isaac was 50 years old when Noah died. Wow. The point is, Isaac, Abraham's son, could have spoken to Noah, and Noah could have spoken to Adam. Wow. Right. And if that's not correct, please forgive me. I'd, I'd have to pull it up. But if it's not correct, it's real close. The point is, so many people don't get into any of this stuff. And because that, they're not impressed with the Bible, you know, because they haven't right. put in the effort. You know, and you, anyway, you learn a lot of neat things when you try just a little bit, as you know, as far as the Bible goes. Okay, we got about Obviously 10 minutes. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. 
Well, I was just say obviously th- there there had to have been a lot less, a lot less suffering, a lot less. I mean, even uh, environmental damage and things that you see now that affect people, chemicals. There's so much that's developed. There's no way somebody could live to be a, th- a thousand years old now. I mean, that is just nope. is bizarre when you when you think about what it must have been to be to be then. I mean, it's for me even to to look back ten years ago, fifteen years ago. You don't remember much, no. you know, as far as day to day life. There's so much that that you forget, but, um, yeah, yeah, that, that's, it's pretty crazy. Well, my allergies well, are kicking in and I'm, I'm about to probably <laughs> sneeze about 10 times here. So if I do, I'll let you take it over. But, no, that's uh, fine. We got about eight minutes left. What do you want to get into with evil pain and suffering before we call it a night? I was going to say, I'd love to answer some questions. We've had two people comment, you know, in 52 minutes. And one of them, was I think me. one of them was you. Oh <laughs> yeah. my soul, boy. I don't know what's going on tonight, but well, I didn't get it shared around to... very much. Oh. I, I got it shared in a couple spots, but yeah. What are you going to do? So Caleb, when did it cease being a problem for you? When did pain and suffering and evil no longer matter to you? When did you no longer count it against God? Well, I don't know if I if I ever really really did because mm-hmm. I guess I've just been blessed to not really have things hit as close to home as some people have. I've never had conversations with God where I was just angry at God because of sure. this or that. I've known of people that did, uh, and it always kind of puzzled me because I just never personally experienced that. I, right now, I'm dealing with a little bit of suffering from my allergies. <laughs> Might lose my voice here. Uh, I, I would say that it really solidified it for me. So there was, I think I've, I've mentioned this before on our podcast. So my grandfather, uh, my dad's dad, he passed away on his 50th birthday. He would have retired the same day. He worked his whole life, uh, got to retirement and died. One bad choice. Uh, I think he had had some alcohol and that probably, didn't go so well with his driving home from work that day but it really it through the years i kept thinking back to that and thinking this is really remarkable to have somebody that was a a relatively good person i mean he was a responsible drinker he didn't get drunk that much from what i understood Mm -hmm. but here he gets to the end of his life for what and it really it really reminded me of how much it is a chasing chasing after the wind i mean he he had all his ducks in a row for retirement worked at a gold mine and, and would have lived very comfortably and he lost his life and i i that was one of the one of those times where i do remember questioning why would have god allowed this and it was pretty easy for me to understand it and there was other people in the family that i remember questioning at the time of how could this have happened to him you know he was a good person and to me it was like I, I I was close to him. I was emotionally attached to him, but not, I mean, he's my grandfather and I was t- a 10-year-old kid. Mm-hmm. And so it's pretty easy for me to get over the grief pretty quick. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, it was emotional at the funeral, but it was, it was pretty easy for me to see, well, you know, he screwed up. <laughs> I mean, as a kid, it wasn't hard for me to see that. And um, I had an aunt, uh, my dad's sister, that had not spoken to to her dad for for quite some time and it affected her really really severely for years and she took it really really hard and uh, i'm not sure that she really blamed god but she didn't understand why god could have allowed it and i remember just thinking if you just emotionally detach yourself from the situation if you take yourself out of the situation a little bit it really really helps Mm -hmm. and i think that 
that that's one of the things that I would say to to somebody that is in the middle of this. Uh, actually, when when I gave this message at our church uh, about a year ago, there was a couple here that we actually, well, uh, you know them as well. We knew them from Grand Junction. They moved to Texas mm-hmm. and they lost a son in a motorcycle accident. They were at church here oh, yeah. the message. Yeah. And, and one of the things that I had said at the end of the message is if you find yourself asking these questions, don't, don't feel guilty about that. If you find yourself asking sure. why would have God allowed this, there's nothing wrong with, with having that conversation. I think those, those questions should be addressed. But when you, if you get, if you cross a line of, of wondering, is God good or starting to point a finger at God and say, God cannot be good because of this, then all of a sudden, again, you've put yourself in God's seat and God's on trial. You're the judge and God's on trial. And that's not a place that you want to be at because all of a sudden he's not God, you are. So when we, when we can first acknowledge that God is good, God is just, and yes, there are things like this that happen. Um, I, I really think that if you look back through history, you can see a lot worse things happen to other people than what you're ever going to experience in your life. For the most part, we live pretty comfortable, happy lives. And yet when something goes wrong, we tend to blame God. And we don't see that really through scripture. We don't see that even, even with Jesus, when John the Baptist was beheaded, Jesus was troubled. He was distressed and he was affected by this. But you didn't see him in fits of rage, you know, talking to God and saying, "How can you allow this?" You know, um, and I think that we should we should learn from that example that we can be we can be distraught, we can be distressed, we can even question and wonder why would this happen, but we should never get to the point of shaking our fist in God's face and being angry at God and and questioning His goodness because it's clear that He is good and yet that there is evil, but that doesn't detract from the goodness of God. The evil that we see in the world does not does not put a mar on how good God is or how good heaven will be. So that's to me that's that's a good way to a good way to deal with it is emotionally detach yourself from it. Look through the history at, at the Bible at what men of God put up with, what Jesus put up with. Realize Jesus has dealt with pain and suffering himself, and and, and loss. Yeah, and loss. And we're going to deal with those things in life, but um, he has overcome the world. Like Patrick said, in the end, these things are going to be straightened out. You know, something else that a lot of people don't want to hear, they don't like this idea. And Caleb, when you were talking about that, about, you know, there's nothing wrong with having these thoughts and having these questions. Personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, asking God these questions. But we do need to be okay, and this is the hard part, we do need to be okay with the idea that we're not going to get the answer we want, and we might not get an answer in the time that we want. And that's because, like you said, God's the one that's in control, and we have to remember that it's okay to wait on him and to rely on him. Do you know what faith requires Caleb faith requires uncertainty right there have to be things that we don't know that we don't understand otherwise it wouldn't be faith that would be fact right so that's a part of the Christian life and there are lots of time because because Caleb how many answers does God owe me zero zero <laughs> That's exactly right. He doesn't owe me any answers. Now, God loves me, but he also wants the best for me. And as soon as I know that, as soon as I believe that, as soon as I have faith in that and I can lean on that, 
uncertainty is not as hard. When doubts creep in, it's not as bad. And when I don't get an answer of the variety I want or in the time that I want, it's not as devastating. Because I start from the position that God loves me and God wants the best for me. God loves me more than anyone on earth loves me. And God wants the best for me more than anyone on earth wants the best for me. God is in my corner. God is rooting for me. He, I am on his side and therefore he is my advocate. But that doesn't mean that I get to snap my fingers and have God come to attention. That's not the way it works. Sometimes I have to pray for things for years and years and years before I get an answer. And sometimes right. I pray for things and I just don't get the answer I want. And I just got to, I got to keep, I got to make a decision on that point. Am I going to do the next right thing and do my duty? Or am I going to let that shake me? Go ahead, Caleb. Right. You, uh, you said something a minute ago that made me think of this. And, and there is a contrast between, uh, between promises that we see in, in God's word, which are oftentimes are, you know, a lot of good things. And sometimes we see the contrast between that and what somebody's going through with their suffering or with pain uh, or with evil. And really the ultimate, uh, like you said about uh, the, the rule number one and number two with, with EMT, that the most sure thing that we have in this world, the one thing that we do know about this world is we all will die. Mm -hmm. Our life is limited. It will come to an end. And so there's, there's a lot of questions in the meantime, but really um and this sounds it's it's really hard to know how to put this into into words and i don't think i'm i'm great at it you go to a funeral and somebody's grieving over a loved one mm -hmm. and almost anything that you can say to comfort them just sounds very cliche as a mm -hmm. christian i mean it's it sometimes the best thing to say is nothing yep. but really um every promise there's a song that says every promise in the book is mine every chapter every verse every line and and really, when you see someone ultimately get to the end of their life, the loss, the, the the end of the end of their life here on earth, all of a sudden, every promise in that book is fulfilled for them. You know, every good thing that they could ever dream for or hope for, and 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 better than they could have ever hoped for or imagined is theirs. And so, I think that we have to. I mean, if they if 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 they accepted Jesus as their savior, that is, you know. And so, I think that we can we can see that and, and realize that. As these questions come along, it really shouldn't, it, to me, it should actually just point that much more to our need for a savior and for the evidence that there is, that there is good. To me, I think it's a blessing that I can look at somebody and say, all right, maybe you don't know if God exists. You, you look at this and you say, I have these problems in my life and God doesn't seem to be fixing it. All right, that's fine. Maybe God isn't fixing those problems, but can we both agree that there is evil? Can you can we we both can see that there is evil? There's a song that says, um, "I don't know if if you believe in heaven, I don't know if you believe in hell, but I bet we can't agree that the devil is alive and well." <laughs> and so, you like you like we said earlier, you turn on the news and you see what's going on, and it's pretty easy to see that the devil is alive and well. It's pretty mm -hmm. easy to point out the flaws in the world, and it's easy to see the diff the contrast between good and evil. And so, I I think that sometimes God allows these things to shake us to the core. Um, and, and affect us emotionally to, to wake us up and remind us of the fact that there is such a thing as good and evil and that it, we are affected by it. And, and ultimately, 
all that we have look to look forward to after this life is 100% good. We're mm-hmm. going to we're going to be in, we're going to be in a world with no pain and suffering. And um I think that I don't know exactly what it's going to look like there as far as free will goes. Uh, but from what I understand, our sinful nature is going to be purged from us. So we will have the freedom to worship God um, from a free will, but we're not going to have our sinful desires there. And I'm not, of course, I've not been there, so I don't know exactly how that all works out. But we are promised a world without evil pain and suffering. And so that was never promised to us here. If if it ever was, if, when it was created, we screwed that up. And so now we just got to, we got to deal with it. It's really, mm-hmm. that's really, I mean, it, it sucks to say that just to tell somebody, Hey, you just got to deal with it. But really that's the fact it's where we live. God is good. And that doesn't diminish his goodness, but the world that we live in, all the good things that God created have been messed up. Every single yep. good thing that God <laughs> has ever done, mankind has, fi- has found some way to mess it up. And if they haven't messed it up bad enough, just give them a few more years and we'll mess it yeah. up worse. And that seems to be our specialty. We just keep yeah. doing that no matter how much you want the world to just be great, the fact is you have to go to war with the army you have. Okay. And the world we live in, <laughs> it's not a good one. Not right. at all. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. There are so many great songs that talk about how we are, but pilgrims uh, passing through this world. And, and that's what we got to remember. We, we, we are not designed for this world. We are designed for the next one. Hey, with that, folks, we really do appreciate you all getting on and uh, joining us and, and, you know, giving us an hour of your time. We didn't have too many Bible verses tonight, so I oh. want to leave with one. I wanted, to, I wanted oh. to leave you guys with a verse going out. First uh, oh! Peter five ten says, "But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you." And so, this is a promise of God to us that it's it's almost a promise that we have to suffer a while, but that He will strengthen us. And some sometimes there are people that are going through uh, pain or suffering, and and I, I believe that sometimes we need to we need to realize that some of God's promises to us are as we endure pain and suffering, as we, as we continue to walk with God through these things that eventually um, he will make us perfect. And, and that perfection really does come in, in the form of a new body. And I think it's, it's unfortunate for somebody to listen to somebody like me that has been blessed with health and um, very little suffering. Uh, God has blessed me very much. So I, I'm not probably the right person to talk to you if you're if you're dying of cancer to talk to you about pain and suffering. Um, but realize Jesus has dealt with it. He did al- he did allow himself. God God allowed Jesus to go through the the most am- amazing amount of uh, pain and suffering uh, and death. And and yet we get to follow in his footsteps. And sometimes that those footsteps lead us through suffering. But the promise is that if we endure, that he will make us perfect. So thank you, Patrick. I will uh, turn it back to you. All right, everybody. Next week, we're going to talk about and answer the question, is God racist? Oh, yeah, that's right. We did have it picked out. So that'll be an exciting one. Hopefully, we'll both uh, we both decided we're going to put in a little bit of time and make sure we really have our 
notes in order and a bunch of Bible verses to go on because this is going to be an exciting one. But anyway, and on, we're going to on a lot yeah. of these a lot of these tough questions. You'll have to give us a little bit of grace to realize that sometimes Patrick and I may tackle a tough subject and a tough question that is answered, and we may not necessarily have all the answers or the right answers. Somebody else might be able to word it better. Okay. Have a good night, everybody. See you next week. All right. Thank you, Patrick.